Please stand for the reading of God's word. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Matthew seven, thirteen to 14. This is God's word. Well, I didn't think he was actually going to call it a butt cruncher. <laughs> there are certain things we used to be able to do that we can't do anymore. Well, it's good to be here. Um, I've actually been in, a, in and out of this church quite a bit over the years. And some of you I've known for much longer than even this church has been around. Uh, it's uh, one of the most remarkable changes I've seen in this church is your singing. Uh, years ago, uh, it sounded like there were just a few soloists out there. And Joel and Scott, you've done a wonderful job at training, and, and you all have responded to uh, being a singing community. It's one of the most remarkable changes I've ever seen in a church. It's, it's very hard to do that. So congratulations. <clears throat> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, was at, I went to Fuller Seminary, and as a typical seminary student, never had anything to eat, so I'd come down on weekends, and my sister, she, my sister would she'd feed me, my brother-in-law would pay for it. And I would, I would pay him back by terrorizing first Jono. Uh, I think he got the brunt of it. Uh, but certainly Davey and Joel uh, are very familiar with uh, certain moves of the monster. And uh, Timmy Timmons and a few others. So lots of happy memories. Now, I wouldn't be an uncle if I didn't use this occasion to let you know some kind of inside family things about your pastor, which he has no idea that I'm going to do. <clears throat> Because, you know, Davy really had, and he is Davy, by the way, um, he, Davy did have a totally different life at one time. Did you, were you aware of that? Yeah, he's a, a glamour boy. <laughs> this was just a few years ago. Still preaching at Knott's Berry Farm. But there's a real wild side to Davy that I thought you guys needed to know. 300 feet. This is, this is my favorite part. All right. Well, looks like you had a good ride. Oh, dear. Thanks for riding Vertigo, and enjoy the rest of your stay. Uh, okay, that's your pastor. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> you got that? Yeah, yeah. That was a family effort to get it there. I just want you to know that. All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for family, uh, both uh, nuclear families and for um, our real family. Because our real uh, mom and dad, brother and sisters, are those who do the will of God. At least that's what your son said. We thank you for uh, people that care for each other. uh, That there even would be a family that would be concerned about Emily and trying to look for a home for her. And we thank you that we are together and that we are on a journey together toward home. Father, I pray that uh, these two verses will open up our eyes a little more as to what this journey on earth is really all about. Amen. Amen. 
Images are powerful things, aren't they? I suspect you'll never think of Davy quite the same way after that particular image, which is one of the reasons I wanted to use it. For example, though, if you have a loving earthly father, then your image of your heavenly father, it makes sense, doesn't it? And you read the opening of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who's in heaven, and, and you, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But for other people, their image of a father is one of abuse, uh, of indifference and neglect. And those people will struggle, possibly most of their lives, with trusting their heavenly father. This is how powerful images are, especially subconscious images. And one of the most powerful images I think that Jesus gave us is that uh, the Christian life is a journey. Our spiritual journey has a beginning at a gate, and there's the journey itself, which is the path, and then there's the end of the journey, which Jesus says is life. And the challenge this morning is for you to accept this image as one of the dominating images in your mind of what the Christian life is all about. Because for so many people, they think of Christianity as a series of isolated events, Being a follower of Jesus is not a single transaction. It's not a spiritual spasm raising their hand. It's not saying some magical sinner's prayer. Uh, it's, it, we, we so often think of that way. I had one friend who said that the problem in the church is that we think that, that conversion is a get-out-of-hell-free card. And then nothing matters after that. I got my car and I can wave it in God's face and demand that I get to go into the celestial city. The Christianity, being a Christian, being a, a follower of Jesus Christ, is not a single transaction. It's not even a, a series of disconnected experiences. Perhaps what you do on Christmas or do on Easter or do on Sunday as opposed to the rest of the week. It is a journey, and the Christian life is much more of a marathon, isn't it? Much more of a marathon uh, than a sprint. Joel, I was thinking in your words, outside these walls. That was a great lead into what I, was, what I wanted to say. Uh, this is what Christianity is. It's not just this isolated event that happens here. But it's what happens outside the walls 24-7. There's a starting point to the journey. Uh, we call it conversion. Jesus calls it entering through the narrow gate. There's the journey itself. Uh, we call it the Christian life, discipleship, sanctification. Uh, Jesus calls it the path. And then there's journeys, and we call it heaven. Jesus calls it life. This passage comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to read it again. And members of the Committee on Bible Translation are not allowed to say what changes may or may not be coming up in the NIV, but I suspect this passage will end up getting translated a little better uh, whenever the next one comes out. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but narrow is the gate and difficult the path that leads to life, and only a few find it. There's two of everything here, isn't there? 
There's two gates, there's two roads, two ways. There's two sets of travelers and there's two destinations. And Jesus is saying, pick the right one. Pick the right one. On the one hand, there's a wide gate. It's wide open, it's easy to get through, and you can take all of the baggage you want through that particular gate. You can take your minivan or your SUV, and you can pile it high with, uh, what did he call it, uh, great junk? Yeah, it was a great junk, um, and it's easy to drive down. It's like the 405 at 1 in the morning, okay? It's just, you just go straight uh, down this thing, because to use the language of the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, There's no poverty of spirit. There's no mourning over the fact that you have nothing to offer God. There's no hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. It's a really easy drive with all your junk behind you. You can take your pride. You can take your personal ambitions. You can take your self-reliance. You don't have to get rid of anything. And unfortunately, there's many people who go through that gate. And it's easy to speed down the 405, citing their theme song. And there's a theme song, or maybe a theme poem, I should say, uh, for people that take the wide gate and go down the broad road. It's Invictus. You know the poem Invictus? Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloodied but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years, God, finds and will find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll I am the master of my fate, and I am the captain of my soul. William Ernest Henley chose the wide gate. And in the words of one of the modern-day prophets, he chose poorly. (laughs) This path leads to destruction. We used to, in old English, call this the road to perdition. And unfortunately, unless these people get off the road... They will live their lives here forever, uh, separated from God, and then they will live forever, separated from all that is good and lovely and just and right. They will live forever without God. And unfortunately, at that point, they will learn that they are neither master of their fate nor captain of their soul. But there's a second gate. (laughs) There's a second gate. And this gate, it's a lot harder to get through, isn't it? This one's a lot harder to get through. And I like to imagine a really narrow little gate uh, with like a country road going off behind it up into uh, Irvine Land Grant someplace with uh, just trying to contextualize, you know, here with, uh, um, you know, a few people, just a few people on the road. And, uh, you know, this the King James translation called this the straight gate. S-T-R-A-I-T, which doesn't mean straight. (laughs) We need to correct that spelling on the uh, Hank Williams song. It's S-T-R-A-I-T, which means narrow in Old English. Jesus wasn't saying it was straight through. It It was a narrow gate. Why is the gate so narrow? 
It's kind of fun just to think about the imagery and kind of expand it, I think. Uh, it's narrow because you only one person goes through at a time. There's, there's no family plan. It doesn't matter who your mom and dad, brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts. It doesn't matter. Uh, a person goes through, if they go through this gate, they go one person at a time. And because the gate's so narrow, you, you have to leave everything behind. You have to leave the baggage behind. You, you have to leave your pride and your self-sufficiency behind. Because the song of people going through the narrow gate is nothing in my hands I bring, but to your cross I cling. That's this narrow gate. And on the other side of the gate is this narrow difficult path. It's actually a really hard word to translate because it it, the Greek word contains all the ideas of narrow, difficult, and persecution. Well, there's, there's no English word that does that. And so you've got to pick one and footnote the other or something. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a hard path. It's a narrow path. It's a path to persecution. And, and by persecution, I don't mean dying as a martyr. I mean, some may. But that's not, I don't think that's the main point. The way I like to describe it is that when you and I go through, if you have gone through the gate, you and I were changed. We were fundamentally altered as we went through the gate. Changed by God's grace. We, we were made into new creatures. We were that hardest stone that wouldn't respond to God's promptings was pulled out. And we were given a soft, pliable heart of flesh that is, is susceptible to the movement and the influences of the Holy Spirit. We were fundamentally changed and changed people live changed lives. Right? If you're fundamentally changed, you, you can't go back and live the way you were. It's, it's not natural to do that. But changed people live changed lives. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say you should be. Earlier in the sermon, he says, you are. You're the salt of the earth. You're what, is, what God's kingdom is going to use to press into the sickness and, and the malaise of this culture and this world and preserve it and give it some flavor and some taste. This world's walking in darkness. You're the only hope for shining light into it. See, we were fundamentally changed at the gate. And so we are going to naturally live changed lives. And that's what creates the conflict, doesn't it? That's what creates the conflict. Because we, as our lives start to change, we're in conflict with the people around us. Have you seen the book, uh, Seeking All of Finding God? It's, it's, uh, the the uh, author just passed away a year ago. And, but he publishes through the same publisher I go with. And so uh, they were telling us stories about the incredible persecution he received from his family. And death threats and, and his family receiving death threats. I mean, for some people, that change is so drastic that it really is full-blown uh, martyrdom kind of persecution. For others of us, it's just we come into conflict. Now, I need to balance it because it's not just a difficult path, is it? Again, Hank Williams got this. I don't think I've ever thought of Hank Williams' song as an introduction to this passage. <laughs> At the moment, I like it, actually. Um, but it's... Um, it's also a path of delight, isn't it? 
It's not just hard. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. Christianity is not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. I mean, we're not dragging our heels through this whole path headed to life. I mean, there are good things. Uh, We're with a small band of travelers, our new brothers and sisters, and our new family, headed toward our new home where we have our own inheritance waiting for us, protected there by God. it's It's a path of learning. This is one of the things I enjoy most about the Christian life is growing up, is becoming more like Jesus to at least in some small varying uh, degrees of, of from one degree of glory being changed into his likeness. And life's a journey. And, I, and God doesn't say, oh, here, change. But he changes us the gate and then he calls us to change in our lives. And that's good, isn't it? Isn't it good to look back and realize, you know, 10 years ago, I couldn't control my temper. No. Anger isn't my first response. Gee, I wonder where that came from. You know, it used to be that you just couldn't stand the other person. Now you realize they're hurt, they're broken, they need compassion. I mean, th- this is part of the growing process. That's part of the joy of the journey of, to use the imagery again from the Beatitudes, of growing in meekness, of understanding who we are in, cor- in relationship to who Christ is, of, of showing mercy, of pursuing peace, of loving our enemies. It is a good path. It is a joyous path. And the things that matter most uh, are, are what we seek for. But it is a narrow path. It is a difficult path. It is a, it is a path of conflict. And that's why uh, at any point in time, there are few who find it. There are few who find it. You know, the majority will always reject the gospel. There's a, a, a basic fundamental theme in both the Old and the New Testament called remnant theology. And the basic thing is that the true Israel is not the visible Israel. It's the, those who truly believe. The true church is not the visible church, but it's the remnant. It's, it's those who actually believe. Uh, the majority are always going to reject the claims of the gospel. And so it can kind of feel isolated, can it? It can feel a little isolated uh, as part of this new family. But we need to remember that at the end of the journey, at the end of the journey, there are going to be more travelers that have gone to the end of their journey than we can possibly count. There are more people who can have gone through the gate than there are stars in the sky, God promises Abraham. There are more travelers down the path than there are grains of sand on Corona del Mar and every other beach in the world. And Revelation calls them the great multitude, doesn't it? So even though at times it might feel isolated and there's not many of us, know that at the end of day it's a great multitude. Enough to come back and populate this earth and do what Adam and Eve were supposed to have done at the beginning. Well, this is Jesus' invitation in this passage. It's his invitation to choose the narrow gate, to walk this path, and to go toward life. And that's the imagery that he wants us to have. So there's two questions, and I think there are two questions that have to be asked from our pulpits. They're not always asked. In fact, I would say they're rarely asked, but there's two questions that need to be asked, and I know Davey asks them of you, so I'm, I'm safe saying this. Number one is, do we have to go through the gate? Is conversion necessary? And of course, the answer is absolutely yes. And what's the gate? The gate's Jesus, right? John 10. 
Jesus is the gate to the, where the sheep go in and go out. Later on in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, and there are certain times, I think, that um, the gate has to be emphasized. And on the eve of on the celebration of Billy Graham's passing, you know, we, we have to be thankful that there was a man who proclaimed the gate to millions and millions of people uh, in ways that none of us could have conceived. In fact, I, I don't know where I was. I've been traveling a lot lately. There's a giant billboard. Big, it must have been in the south. That wouldn't have been here. Giant billboard of Billy Graham gone home or something in his dates and stuff, just celebrating his life and what he is. It, um, it was in Dallas. Um, and uh, so, yes, there are times in which that has to be emphasized. But the second question that Davy asks you almost every Sunday, I think, and needs to be asked is, do we have to travel the path? Is discipleship necessary? Or is everything past the gate optional? Think about that for a second. Now, if you want to extend the imagery of what Jesus said, where's life? Yeah, it's not on the other side of the gate. Life's at the end of the path. Think about the imagery. Sadly today, so many churches teach that the path is optional. And you can take it or leave it. Maybe if you want a reward or something, you should do it. I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy stuff out there. But it's, they, they, they teach that being a follower, and you can't even use the language of Jesus. You can't even use the word follower. Being a Christian, is they're saying it's a transaction. It's just something that happens in point in time. You raise your hand, say your prayer, get your get out of hell free card, and that's all there is to Christianity. And that image of the gate and the path is having devastating effects on the church, especially the church in the West. Uh, You won't hear this in China. You won't hear this in India. Uh, You won't hear this in a lot of places of the world. But in the Western culture, church, this, this is what we hear. All you have to do is ask someone, how do you go to heaven? This is a fascinating question. If you, if you go out, I was also on the ESV uh, translation team, and then our, uh, our expression was, what would Joe the plumber, uh, how would he say this? Any Joe the plumbers here? I just, one of them, I'm not thinking of that. Okay. So we had, like, Dr. Packer was, was the one that always would say this. He'd go, all right, well, how would Joe the plumber say this? Well, you go meet Joe the plumber and say, um, I mean, I've only met one person that thinks they're going to hell, actually wants to go to hell. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's not that far from finding out he, was, he chose poorly. Um, but for those who believe in heaven, what, 95% of people believe in heaven, something like that. How are they going to get there? What do you think? This is, I can do this, can I? All right. So you go meet Joe the plumber, and you say, you're a Christian, yes. Well, why, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? What, what would he say? I'm good? I'm sorry? I'm a little hard of hearing from David yelling. No, I just turned 65, by the way. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 65. I need something to hold. Yeah, I mean, you you get all kinds of crazy answers, don't you? Um, Well, I went to Sunday school when I was in fifth grade. That's a big one. Robin, my wife, actually asked someone on the plane, do you have any spiritual interests and da-da-da, are you a Christian? And the guy said, well... I go to church on Christmas, so I guess I'm a Christian. 
But you see what they're doing? They're, they're picturing Christianity as a series of isolated events, transactions. The worst one was when I was pastoring, and we had a huge VBS push in this particular neighborhood. About 600 kids had come in. And so there would be a central meeting where they all had their whatever they did. And then there were different rooms, and the kids would rotate through the rooms. And we started hearing incredible stories about conversions in this one room. And usually when things are too good to be true, they are. And I said, I, after about the third day of hearing, you know, tens and twenties and numbers of kids becoming Christians, I said, I'm going to go check this out. And I went down there, and I forget who was leading the room. Uh, the person did not lead it after that morning. But had a white big piece of paper say, you're going to burn in hell forever unless you sign your, sign your name to this and say you're a Christian. I got this. Anyone listening to me when I preach? <laughs> I mean, see, but, but what they're doing is that they're viewing Christianity as this one-time transaction. They're not viewing it as being a follower of Jesus Christ. And they're answering, the, gate, the, the gate's necessary, but the path isn't. And I had proposed to you, along with Jesus, that the path is as necessary as the gate. Now, you're probably wondering, what's this rampant Wesleyan doing up there? For you theology types, you need to know I am reformed. And Calvin and Wesley were completely agreed on this point. Now, one said they, if a person ends up in hell, they never were a Christian to begin with. The other one says they could lose their salvation. I was a token Calvinist in a Wesleyan school for 10 years, a zoo specific, and uh, all kinds of good arguments. And I finally just said, I said, this is a stupid, irrelevant argument because the person's still in hell. Well, it doesn't matter whether they lost their salvation or they never were a Christian to begin with. Let's stop arguing and do something about that. The path of sanctification is as crucial as the gate of justification. Life is at the end of the path, not just the gate. Changed people will live. In fact, Calvin says, they must live changed lives. This is what David was getting at with the Philippians 2. For God is, uh, work out your salvation, work out the implications, I don't know your word, work out the implications of the fact that you were changed at the gate. You do it with fear and trembling. Why? Because it really matters. How you work out your conversion experience really, really matters. In fact, it matters so much that God is at work in you, giving you the desire and then the very ability to accomplish those desires. That's how important the path is. That's how important the tandem bicycle is. God's pedaling, got him in the back, right? God's pedaling in the back. But when it comes to the path, this is your decision. This is your decision. You know, the message of Scripture is absolutely clear. That the path is essential. All I have to do is go to the warning passages. Uh, Matthew 24, those who persevere to the end will be saved. Colossians 1, you are redeemed if you uh, persevere. Hebrews um, where is it, 12, pursue holiness without which no one will see God. I mean, the Bible is just full of these. Salvation is by grace and by grace alone. The very gift of faith is a gift given to us by God the Father through what Christ did on the cross, effected in our lives through the work of God the Holy Spirit. We don't participate. That's the, that's the gate. But when it comes to the path, we do cooperate. We do cooperate. At certain times... I think this message of the necessity of the path must be emphasized. And if you look at any of the statistics that are out there today, the, salt, the, the church 
by and large, is no longer the salt of the earth. The church is no longer the light. Uh, the statistics, uh, all the social statistics that are out there show that, that we, as a whole, are not different. And that's because people have been taught that the path is optional. And that sanctification, growing up in Christ, discipleship, isn't that big of a deal. So the passage simply asks this question. And that is, what image will control your thinking? My encouragement is to really think through the image of a gate and path and life. And adopt that to be one of your dominating, controlling images. As you leave the walls of this place and follow Christ wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I guess I need to say this out loud. I'm reminded that most of these people here don't know me from Adam. Um, and I pray that... Um, however they heard these words, that they will know that they come from your word. And this gate and path is such an important topic. I, I thank you, Father, for Billy Graham and those who are like him that emphasize the gate. It's such an important thing in a world that thinks that all roads lead to you and ultimately everyone ends up in heaven, which is so wrong. And yet, Father, um, I pray for people like Davy and other pastors in Orange County and beyond that understand that discipleship, that the growth of sanctification is something that is incredibly important as we become more and more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.